The next couple of uh, Sundays, we're going to be looking into the book of Psalms. We're considering uh, the power of thanksgiving. The power of thanksgiving. We sometimes turn our thoughts toward thanksgiving during this month of November because of the time that we celebrate thanksgiving and we see people on Facebook that for the next 30 days or 31 days commit to uh, sharing something that they're thankful for every day of this month and that's wonderful and that's um, great we also uh, but we have to somehow or another determine that we're going to have a life of gratitude a life of thanksgiving amen uh, and how many know that's difficult to do? Our culture is not one uh, that is created for thankfulness or gratitude. Our culture is created and encourages grumbling and complaining. Is it not true that we uh, complain about the weather? It's too hot and then it's too cold. Got too much sun or it's raining. We complain about our jobs. We upset that we have to get up so early. We, we, we just find things to complain about. Amen. Now you, you don't have to get all nervous because I am not going to stay here long. I'm just getting ready for the scriptures, all right? And so, but... I, I say I'm not preaching at you today. I'm saying us, me. We, you have to guard your heart and you have to have a thankfulness and do it intentionally or you will migrate to the culture of the day to complain and, and fuss and, and not appreciate the things that God has given you in your life. And so uh, with that thought in mind, I want to share on the, this Sunday, today, and next week, I want to talk to you about the power of thanksgiving. I want to share some things that I have shared with you in the past. Other things will be new and fresh, and, uh, but I want to blend it together to speak to you and just encourage us together to uh, have a, a heart of thanksgiving. In Psalms chapter 85, verses 1 through 9, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captive of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered their sins. You have taken away all of your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be anger? angry with us forever will you prolong your anger to all generations will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you show us your mercy O lord and grant us your salvation and i will hear what god the lord will speak for he will speak peace to his people and his saints but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. 
that the glory may dwell in our land. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word today. The only thing that can save us and the only way that we can be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven, and we have been found not guilty. Not of our own, but we have been redeemed because of the blood of Jesus. I wonder today, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember where you were at in life and the situation of life? And all of us come to God whenever the extremities of life have been exhausted, when we don't know where to turn, what to do, or, or what situation we find ourselves in. We, we turn to Him and most of the time as a last resort. And, and if we remember where we were when Jesus came and touched us, where we were when he found us, where the situations of life, the circumstances of life were not favorable. They weren't joyous. They weren't victorious. But in that broken state, in that state of, of being lost, in that place of, of looking for some direction and hope in life is when Jesus would wrap up, roll up his sleeve and do an extraction of grace out of our lives and take us out of the muck and the miry clay and set our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation and establish our coming in and going out, wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life and made us a partaker of his divine nature. Is anybody thankful for that day this morning in your life? Amen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're not saved, I don't know what you're waiting on. It's the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life. God has always had a desire to dwell with his people. He doesn't want weekend visitations. He wants to dwell with us. It was never his desire or his intent to, in the Bible times, in the Old Testaments, to have tents of meeting and buildings to dwell in. It has always been his purpose. That was shadows. That was types, if you will, of his desire that he would dwell within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. And he did not know... Uh, he didn't uh, know you as just being a, a person that was without joy, without hope, or without purpose. He knew you from the foundations of the world. He knew his purpose, his call for your life. And so as a result of that, he called us out of darkness and he desires to dwell inside of us. So if God desires to dwell inside of us and show us his glory in our day, why isn't he? What's holding God back from us seeing his goodness, flexing his muscles, revealing his power, showing himself strong and mighty in the midst of situations that we may see his glory. I think the reason that we can find here in Psalms 85 and verse number 9, he says, salvation is near them that fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. The word dwell here means to settle down, to tabernacle, 
We are wanting God to, to heal us, to fill us, to give us joy and hope. But what we have failed to realize is he dwells with you, his people. He, he is here, and when he is here, you have healing, you have hope, you have joy, you have peace. And so what we are really wanting is the presence of God. We are wanting his presence to dwell in our land. God desires for his glory to be with us at all times. It's the kabod of God. It's the doxe of God. The weightiness of his presence. The glory and honor are his presence. And God's presence can never be taken for granted. You remember Samson, don't you? He played with God's presence. He, he, he took it for granted and he just played around with it and he just did whatever he wanted to do and lived his life the way that he wanted to live it, fulfilling his own desire. And one day he shakes himself and realizes that the presence that he once enjoyed has now been gone from his life. David knew what it was like to have the glory of God. He, he knew what it was for the glory of God to be in his life. And, and so that when he would go out against the lion, the presence of the Lord, the glory of God would be upon him and he would take the lion out. He, he come up against the bear, but the glory of God would come upon him and he would take the bear out. Standing before a nation, he would stand before Goliath and there he would take out a Goliath that was uh, intimidating God nation or his people and so he knew what it was to have the glory of God upon his life but he also knew what it was when the glory was no longer with him it was there that David loses or the glory of God has departed from the house of Israel and now there it is at a place of Obed-Edom where it fell off of the cart you remember And it fell off of the cart, but wherever the glory is, the blessing is. And so Obed-Edom enjoyed the glory of God for six months in his life because the glory had departed from Israel because of their slothfulness, because they did not honor or reverence or revere the presence of God. And as a result, for six months, Obed-Edom's house was in revival. It was in a place that enjoyed the presence of God but David stood around for six months and he knew what it was to have the presence feel the glory and he said I can't live my life like this any longer can I hear an amen today I can't live my life without his presence I can't live my life without his glory in my life and so he created and said I'm going to go and get the glory back we know the story how that he goes after the glory as a king and he is his if you'll imagine with me today I can see his blonde hair blowing in the wind his kingly garments upon him and he goes after the glory of God the ark of the covenant with a new cart new wheels and and he goes there to get the glory we know that that's not what God said he said it's got to be carried you've got to get under the weight of the presence of God you've you've got to feel the weight or the heaviness of the ark if you will and so as a result of that we see that his 
buddy Uzziah die, Uzziah dies because he touches the ark and he falls over dead. David's upset, but he goes back home and the next time he comes, he comes no longer as a king, but he comes as a priest. He comes not as somebody high-minded and arrogant, but he comes humbly before the mighty hand of God. And he says, I need the presence of the Lord. I need the glory of God. I need the kabod of God because I cannot do life without him. And so he humbles himself as a priest and he goes back this time and he takes the priests with him and they carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and they stop every few paces and they give God praise and they give God glory and they remember that it is because of his presence that Israel has been victorious. Because of his presence we have been able to overcome our enemy. Because of his presence we've got the same shoes on that we left Egypt's bondage with. Because of his presence we have everything that we need in our life. And so they would stop what every six paces and they would give God praise. They would give him glory. They would remember the goodness of God in their life. I believe today that we have to do the very same. We have to take time out of our day. We have to take time out of our life to remember the goodness of God. Remember if it had not been for the Lord on our side, our enemy would have already devoured us. The only reason we're not devoured, the only reason we've not been taken out is because your enemy's not bad enough to take out our God. He's got your back. He's going to take care of you. He's going to meet your need. And because of that, our God reigns and he is worthy of our praise. Amen. You might be here today and you've known the goodness of God, but you don't have it today, but you can get it back. Ezekiel saw a vision of the glory of God and the Bible says that it shook the doors and, the, the, and this water, it represented water and it, it went out from the altar and it went through and shook the doors or to the post and it flowed out of the house and into the streets. This speaks to us today that this is not something that should be contained in the four walls of a church building. But this should be a lifestyle to where we go. That everywhere we go in the city, in the community, in the village, in the workplace. It, that we see the goodness of God goes with us. So why do we come to church? It's a question we can all ask ourselves. Why do I come? Why do I get up on Sunday morning, dress up, and go to the house of God? Do we do it to fulfill a duty? Do we do it because we've done it for 10, 15, 30, 50 years? And it's become a habit. It's a good habit. But are we coming together to meet with God? Whenever we come to meet with God, you know how we can know if we're coming out of duty, out of habit, out of responsibility, feel like it's the thing to do, or if we're coming to meet with God? If we're doing it to come to meet with God, we're not looking at our watch every 10 minutes. My God, Betsy, how many times are they going to sing that verse? Enough is enough. 
right? I wish that pastor had shut up. Don't he know my roast is in the oven? But whenever we come to meet with God, time seems to run by so quickly. We get lost in his presence. We enjoy the song, right? The word is like honey to our hearts. No matter if I'm preaching, somebody else is speaking. The word is like honey to our hearts. That is, it's sweet. It is a honeycomb. We, we enjoy his presence, right? But if we're not careful, we can be, even become critical right in church. We can start judging the music. We can judge the singing. Huh? We can decide if the preaching is good or not. The truth is we need to be more concerned about if God enjoys our service than if people enjoy the service. Because if God enjoys the service, people are going to be changed. Lives are going to be changed. People are marked by his presence or the absence of his presence. And today you can't tell the difference between, between social clubs and churches. It's quiet up in here today. I ain't mad at nobody but the devil, so it's all right. But you can't tell the difference between a social club and a church because we just go for the entertainment. We go for the horse and pony show. We go, and thank God, you know me. I believe that we ought to do everything with a spirit of excellence, right? We do it as unto the Lord, and we do it to the best of our ability. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we aren't just going to just feel good. We are going there to experience the presence of a sovereign God that is able to do something about our situation, that is able to move on our behalf. Moses said it like this in Exodus 33. He said, God told Moses, he said, God told Moses, he said, I, you're, I'm going to send you and I'm going to send you into a place but I'm not going to go with you and Moses said hold up he said if your presence does not go with me then I'm not going nowhere right he has all of these promises of God and God says with I'm going to send my presence with you and you will go and rest and Moses says hold up God I, I appreciate the gifts. I appreciate the promise. I appreciate the land that's flowing with milk and honey. But what good is the promise if I don't have the one who promised it? He said, I'm not going into the promised land if you're not going with me, that I'm not going anywhere. The promise of God is greater, uh, great to have. But if the people are so busy pursuing the promise of God that they don't have the promise, the one who promised it, then we have nothing, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. I said the joy of the Lord is our strength. It should be a joy and not a job to come into the house of God, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It ought to be a joy and not a job to worship him, to sing a song, to dance a dance, to, to serve in the kingdom of God wherever you may serve. It, it's, if it becomes a job, if it becomes a duty, if it becomes a responsibility, we've got to return back to where we first fell in love with him and say, God, I need your presence. I need your kabod. I need the abundance of God's 
glory dwelling in my life so that I'm not working out of a responsibility. I'm working out of a relationship and out of joy, I will serve the Lord. Amen. There is abundance in his presence. There is love in his presence. Romans 8 and 39 said, what shall separate you from the love of God? Remember that? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall pearl, famine, nakedness, or strife? Nay, in all of these things we are led as lambs to the slaughter all day long. But I am persuaded that neither life nor death or angels or principalities or things present or things to come are able to separate me from the love of my God. Amen. There's peace in John 14 and 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace. I give to you not as the world is given do I give it to you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid right for in my father's house there are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you but I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also you can have peace in that this morning amen Amen. There's healing in him. In Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and, and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil and God was with him. He is the supplier of all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Where is his, where his glory is broken through things are mended empty things are filled hurting people are made whole and the need is come to, uh, overcome by the supply and so whatever we need today we can find it in his presence if you believe that give him some praise this morning the doxa speaks of dignity of God a state of being worthy or high ranking. Do you know him? Do you know that he's worthy of every song that you sing? Do you know that he's worthy of every sacrifice that you make? Every prayer that you pray, he's worthy. Because if we don't fully understand who he is, it's, it's, it's the reason why that some feel like they have to manipulate people, cheer people on, push people, just to get them to stand and to lift their hands or to sing a song. It, it is a result of not fully understanding who God is because when we fully understand who he is, we stand up when he enters the room. We serenade him. We honor him. Right? We revere him. If you understand who he is, you enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You've got to praise. Because why do I have to praise, Pastor? Because your praise is like no one else's praise. You've got a testimony that no one else has. David said it like this in Psalms 40. He put a new song in my mouth. 
In other words, David said, I've got a praise, I've got a song, I've got a testimony that nobody else has because God's done it for me in a way that he's not done it for anybody else. And so I've got to give him that praise. The way that you view God has a lot to do with how you approach God. If you see God as an angry teacher and you are the student, then you'll, you'll cower down and come into his presence cowardly and, and hunker down in a corner somewhere. If you see God as happy to see you, if you see him as a happy father that wants to embrace you, then you'll want to engage with him, right? And I believe it's possible for you to know God and not just in theory and in principle, but we can know God and interact with God so that we can know him personally, right? Some of the things that we know about God is because he has given to us in measure what he is without measure, right? Example of that is, is he, he gives us the ability to love in measure. But he doesn't, he doesn't love, he is love without measure, right? And so he loves us irregardless of what we have done or who we are. And, and, and he has already forgiven us of our past, present, and future sin. Some people say, well, I don't know about all of that. Well, before you were saved, he forgave you of your past and your future. Amen. He, he, he already supplied the need because when he died upon the cross, all of your sins were in the future. But he did it for me. Come on, somebody. He did it for me. And so he has forgiven me of all of those things. And, and some of the things that we know about God, he, he's done to, for us. He has given us in part what he is in the full. And so there, then there's other things that he has not shared with us, such as omnipresent. Everywhere, all the time. Wouldn't that be cool? But we have to be transported. We have to move from point A to point B. But God is not going somewhere. He's already there. Right? He's already there. Wherever you may talk about, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And so the glory speaks of honor and respect. We respect people more than God sometimes. And people describing him as, you know, in this world, in this culture, they describe God as the dammer. Right? But he's not the sugar daddy, he's not the dammer, and he's not Santa Claus. He's God. He's God. And the fear of God, Psalms verse 85, chapter 85, verse 9, the fear of God is the idea of living in respect and awe and submission of his deity. This verse talks to us about fearing him, that glory may dwell, and we have lost our fear of the Lord. And this is the reason that we're not seeing the glory. 
Now, we know today that a reverential fear is not one that we're scared of God like we have just talked about as him being a, a, a angry teacher that is wanting to beat your head off. That's not the God that we serve. That's not the God of the Bible. I don't know how religious people came up with that God, but that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God full of compassion and grace. Can somebody say amen? amen. But we find ourselves, if we're not careful, thinking of him in that mentor. But I'm here today to tell you that the fear of God is not to be fearful of him. It is to bring reverential fear to us. In other words, we honor him. We, we respect him. We adore him. Right? So that whenever he comes in the room, whenever we live our lives to, in a reverential fear, we, we're thinking of who he is and what he is so that we can uh, serve him and, and be uh, uh, understanding that he loves us no matter what. But at the same time, we want our lives to exemplify him in the earth. Acts 9 and 31 said to walk in the fear of the Lord. Luke 6 and 48 asked the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? When we ask God to save us, he gave our lives, we gave our lives back to him. And seems everyone calls him Lord, but the fruit is not his. The absence of the fear of the Lord holds us back from the glory dwelling with us. Now, what are you trying to say? I'm try what I'm trying to say is this. If I can gossip about you without a check in my spirit, then I'm not fearing the Lord. If I can make decisions, life decisions, and don't pray about them first, I'm not fearing the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train was filling the temple. I know this message isn't preached very much anymore. We want to hear about grace, and there's no one, I promise you, there is no one more thankful for grace than me. I believe in the message of grace. It is the grace of God that causes me to fear and reverence God and respect him. It also causes me to understand that I need his glory to dwell in my life. I need his presence. In Psalms 25 and 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Then there are the things that he has not shared with us. The omnipresence. Everywhere all the time. We have to get through the understanding that in his presence, everything that we need will be provided, right? This pre presents us then knowing, understanding this, that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. And then it presents us with this problem that if God can be known and God is known through his presence, 
but I can only be in one place at one time, then the only way for me to know God is God must choose to reveal himself. Right? Come on, walk with me now. God must choose to allow me to know him because I have no way of getting my mind and my heart wrapped around this God that is so big that, that he is everywhere at the same time. And God has to make a choice to reveal or to unwrap or to take the cover off so that I may be able to get to know him personally in my life. Because God wants to be known, he has chosen to take the cover off so that I am able to know him. It is possible to know God without fully comprehending God. There are things about God that are past finding out. And you'll get a brain cramp trying to figure out three and one, one and three, first and the last at the same time. Amen? There's more to God than our little peanut brain can comprehend. But this is the good news that I, I want you to hear and I want you to know is that you can know him without fully comprehending him. God is not afraid of you searching and seeking and pursuing because that, that you'll never come to the end of who he is. Whenever you think that you've come to the end of who he is, he'll, here's another facet, there's another level, there's another understanding, there's another experience in him that you have yet to know. And for me to know God, I must experience him because it is the experience that I have with God that reveals to me the things that I know about God. If I don't have experience with God, then I have to rely on someone else's experience with God to tell me who God is. And that's good starting out. Aren't you thankful for people's testimony that led you to Christ? But I don't want to live on Brother Gary's experience all of my life. I don't want to live on my parents' experience all of my life. I want it to take me to a place, but then I must come to know him for myself. Amen? Because, but God doesn't want your relationship with him based on someone else's experience. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. In Judah, God is known. Amen. The way that you know God is you have experience with him for yourself. Amen. If I'm depending on someone else's experience, then I can fall victim to someone else's ability to comprehend who God is. And you know from experience in a day what it would take you four years to understand through theory and principle. I'm going to say that again. You can know more about God in one day, in a counter, in an experience with God, than you can learn four years of study in a college somewhere, studying theory and the principle of God. He can reveal himself. He can show himself powerful and real. That's not a dig at, at, at uh, college. That's not a dig at studying. We have to study to show ourselves approved. But God is not known through explanation. 
God is not known through words. God is not known by you telling me what he did for you. That's your testimony. And so the all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent God must make a way for me to access him that he may be known in my life. So this God that knows all, is all, and everywhere at the same time reduces himself down to the lowest common denominator that where I can meet him, where? I can meet him there, right? I will meet you there. This is what he did for Adam in the garden. That the, the, the cool of the evening, he said, I will meet with you in the cool of the evening in the garden, and I'm going to teach you about me. You're going to have an experience with me. You're going to get to know me. And so God has come out of his realm, and he has come into our realm so that we have an experience with him that nobody can take away from us. Amen. And at the end of that experience, you will comprehend not all of God but you will comprehend a part of God that can be imparted unto you that will change your life forever right when we look at David we see that he found out something about God that his generation did not know about God God taught him in a place in a space and in a time he found out that when he began to play a harp and he began to dance before the Lord that God would ex he would experience God all by himself right so when he built the tabernacle he built it different than the tabernacle tabernacle of Moses because Moses' tabernacle had the veil in between it but now David comes into a space and he experiences God for himself and he says there's no longer need for a veil, a separation because God wants to meet with you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants you to experience him and that's the reason why that the, when he talked about the tabernacle being restored in this last day he did not say I'm going to restore the tabernacle of Moses that had a separation he said I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David that has no separation we have access into the throne room of God he's a very present help in the time of our need and it will enter into his gates with thanksgiving we have access to a very sovereign living God that can make a change in our life and I'm one thankful for that today Amen. Because his experience taught him that God wanted to be known. David found out that there are things that you can know about God in his presence that you can't find out anywhere else. David said, if you learn how to praise him, God will inhabit your praise. Huh? Nobody else knew that before David. But David learned it. How did he learn it? He learned it because he accessed God's presence. And in God's presence, God revealed to him, I'm not wanting the bull. I'm not wanting the turtle dove. I'm wanting you. And if you'll bring me you, I'll inhabit your praise. I'll inhabit your worship. Right? When people begin to praise him, he is attracted to that location.
He begins to take the veils away and shows you who he is. Right? And now we have to anticipate his presence. God says, if you want me to hang out with you, don't be complaining and grumbling and fussing. I mean, no, God likes to hang out with some people better than others. <laughs> Amen. He don't like hanging out with people murmuring and complaining and bickering and fighting and drama. Right? I don't know what some people are going to do if they make it to heaven because there ain't going to be no drama there. God told me. <laughs> no drama there. So what are we going to do? He, he, he likes hanging out with people that are worshipers. He likes pe hanging out with people that have a thankful heart. He likes hanging out with people that are grateful, a gratitude, appreciation, right? Have you ever done something for a person or an individual or group of people and, and they never even said thank you? Now, the flesh of me says, I won't do that again. Renee and I, many years ago, we, we made a pretty significant sacrifice ourselves to be a blessing to an individual. And, uh, and it, it, it was a great sacrifice on our part, but they didn't think it was much. And so they sent us a letter letting us know so. And uh, I thought to myself, I'll never get that, they'll never get nothing else from me. But I just wonder how God feels about that. Whenever, if it were not for him, we wouldn't have the next breath to take in. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be standing here today. Huh? If it weren't for him, I wouldn't have the house. I wouldn't have the car. I wouldn't, wouldn't be provided with a job. Huh? I wouldn't have the things, but do we take time to thank him for it? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come up the driveway with praise. Be thankful. Amen. Be happy. Be joyful. Be free. God says there in that place, in praise and in worship, I will break the enemy's shield and bow and the arrows. Where is there in Judah, in praise? Your battle is fought in Judah. Your battle is fought in praise. Your battle is overturned right there in your car, giving God thanksgiving, giving him praise. Because when you begin to praise God, when you begin to thank him, God, you experience God in another level. You learn something about him and he gives you power over your enemy. And when I'm in battle, I don't have time to read five books. Right? When I'm, when I'm in battle, when a difficulty, when the enemy is coming in like a flood, I don't have time to dial 900, dial a witch. I need to know the goodness of God. I need to know his word. I need his presence in my life. And so why do you think that it is when people get upset and turn sideways and under pressure, the first thing that they do is lose their praise? As long as things are going good, we got to praise. 
As long as things are going our way, as long as we understand what's going on in our life, we give God some kind of thank you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But because the devil can rob us of our praise, he can rob us of our access. And if he can rob us of our access, then he can rob us of our experience. And if he can rob us of our experience, he, he robs us of your revelation. And if he robs you of your revelation of who God is, then we have no capacity to turn the battle. But if I can get into the presence of God, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult the situation, if I praise him, now it may be through tear-stained eyes, it may be through a mind that is confused and absolutely overwhelmed but if I can get into his presence if I can get to where God is then I have that experience and in that experience I have a revelation of who God is and out of that revelation of who God is I can turn this thing around that as I'm fighting and say that greater is he that is in me than the world that has come against me I'm going to overcome because I'm the head and not the tail that I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me I've got a revelation that he is the El Elyon the most high God and even though I may be going through the valley of the shadow of death I'm not going to fear any evil for I've got goodness and mercy on my side and I'm going to come out of this valley with victory I've got a revelation of who he is right So my joy is not determined by the stock market. If I don't let my money tell me who God is, the arrows will be broken. The bow will be destroyed. The shield will be taken away. And begins a victory shout in my heart to know that I am victorious over every situation in my life. If you believe that, give God some kind of praise here today. That's the power of praise. That's the power of thanksgiving. Being thankful will break the bow of your enemy and bring peace and victory into your own life. Amen? If you've known his goodness and his grace, but you're not walking in that today, today would be a great day to renew that relationship with him. If you've never known that, Maybe you, you do know that today and you say, well, pastor, you know what? I, I love the Lord with all my heart, but, but maybe you find yourself a little less than thankful lately. Maybe you've allowed the, the situations of life to steal your praise, steal your thanksgiving, steal your gratitude. And today you would just say, God, I'm going to press into this and I want you to be more real in my life. I want to have an experience, an encounter with you that I can know you in a greater level than I've ever known you before, right? Because it's in those encounters, in those experiences that we get to know something about him that we did not know before. And that knowing what we learn in that experience will give us victory over this present darkness. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So today, as we stand together, as the worship team sings here this morning,
you find yourself and this word finds you and you just want to say yes to the word, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ today, you want to do that. Today is the great day, the day of salvation. And so as they sing this morning, if you would like to come and pray, we want to invite you to come. Let us pray with you today.